Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. Coming to you for the first time in 2024, I believe, right, Coach Banch? What's going on over there in Kimberly? Yeah, this is interesting. Another year and, you know, podcast keeps growing and we get all these awesome guests and super excited today. I know before you introduce the guest today, Josh Heisler, who coaches with us at Kimberly, he is going to be super jacked to hear this uh, episode. Oh, yeah. And there's a there's an employee of Sports Advantage that's really looking forward to this one coming out as well. So um, this is this is a really cool one. Um, I think for me, because it's a man who's really had a huge impact on my son's life and um, has done an incredible, incredible job in the state of Wisconsin um, for, for a long time, um, promoting, endorsing, being an ambassador for the sport of football and so many other things. And we're talking about Coach Ron Ernst. Coach, how are you doing? Doing well, Brian. Uh, Dean, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, doing just really well. Uh, uh, I hope uh, you and all your families had a great Christmas and all, and uh, the new year's off to a great start. So, uh, no, we're excited to do this, and uh, things are going very, very well for us. Thank awesome. you. Go ahead, Dino. Yeah, just, um, you know, the nice thing about, you know, Rippin and Coach Ernst, you know, his longevity at one place, it just speaks volumes. And, you know, as us older coaches, more experienced coaches, and we see the younger coaches now kind of getting into coaching – and then all of a sudden, boom, they're not there. You know, they're, 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 once they have a couple of kids, they're all of a sudden, you know, they have to be home more. And so, you know, looking at coaching and for the people that have been there and have done it for so many years, this is just going to be an awesome episode. So, coach, well, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Dog, you're up. Right. Your, your question's first, dog. <laughs> all right. You ready? Let's get this thing rolling. <laughs> All right, yeah, coach, too much, little too much New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, you know, I talk about some of the differences over the course of the thirty years that you've been coaching at Rip, and and where the game is, you know, the styles, the type of athletes. You know, I see a lot of coaches. They didn't say, you know, mention, you know, coaches need to adjust. We're always blaming kids for, you know, kids are different than they were twenty years ago, and you know, they're not tough and all this. But a lot of the great coaches out there have been surviving for so long because they make those adjustments. Yeah. I, uh, I have never been one uh, to blame kids, kids, kids between the ages of 18 and 22 are the same, no matter what generation you're in. Now, yes, they have other things to deal with, but I really believe as, as adults, as coaches, as teachers, as, as people, you know, looking out over these young people, it's how we've approached them. And it's what we teach them. It's what we hold them accountable for. And there's just, see, to me, I, sometimes this gets me in trouble with my wife a little bit because I'm a black and white guy. It's either right or wrong. It's either right or wrong. That's just it. And, and I think sometimes we as, whether it be educators, parents, community people, whatever, we tend to start focusing on that gray area. And, 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 and kids are going to be kids, you know, they're going to try to get away with what they can, or they're going to push that envelope a little bit. Uh, you know, Dean, I'll use your, you know, what you do, for example, a kid shows up 10 minutes late to a workout. You're 10 minutes late, kiddo. Well, I'm here. Doesn't matter. You're 10 minutes late. There's the door or there's the track you go run or whatever. There's a consequence. Whereas in some places they, Oh, okay. As long as you're here, as long as you're here. 
And so I think th that we as adults have kind of opened that door of maybe not holding kids maybe as accountable. Now, again, you got to understand I'm a little bit old school. Uh, I, I grew up in the 60s and 70s and I went to a Catholic school. So there was, there was no excuses. No gray there. There's nothing. <laughs> the only excuse you got was the back of a ruler or something, you know, or <laughs> what. But, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm just kind of a guy that's a black and white guy. Uh, hold kids accountable. Treat them like you want to be treated. And, and to me, uh, I think we've lost that a little bit. And, and again, that's not the kids' fault. That's us as adults and in our, in our society maybe a little bit. I don't want to get on the soapbox about that too much. But basically, I think the real successful coaches are the ones that hold kids accountable. I really do. And I think, you know, Coach, you know, when I took Cameron, obviously Cameron played a ripping head and a great experience with you and your staff um when we took him the first year right you're a parent you're you're dropping your son off for the first time um right. you know out of the nest and whatnot and i think you did as good a job of explaining to the parents that there's accountability but there's also love and yes. your your talk which you know was very similar every year but i loved it because you had a new crew of parents walking in the door and it was Look, he, we're here for your son. If he's struggling being away from home, we're here for him. We want to talk to him. We want to know about that. If his grades are struggling, uh, we want to know about that. If you know, if he's struggling with this, struggling with that, um, if he's not playing and you're upset, don't call me. That's that's yeah. his job. That's his job. And that was like that line and like here, here's the deal. If your son wants to advocate for himself, it's time to put on his pants, his big boy pants, and walk in the office. And say, hey, coach, you know, and I, to me, that was, I loved it because it was like an accountability, like, hey, you can hold kids accountable and still love them and mm -hmm. still be their person and be their form. And coach, that was the, those five minutes in, the, in that parent talk. I loved that. It was great. Well, I, I appreciate that, Brian. I really do. And, uh, you know, this is something that I've always believed in from the day I, my first coaching, teaching job in 1980 back in Osceola, Nebraska was I'm a parent. I, I, myself, I take my job as a parent very, very, very seriously. There's nobody that loves our children more than their parents. And so what I'm going to do or what I tried to do uh, over 45 years of, of, of coaching is basically treat these young men the same way I would treat my son. You know, if my son comes home late from a date or something, there's a consequence. If you don't do what your mother tells you to do, there's a consequence. That's, that's life. You know, uh, that, you know, there's, there's things to be, and I think kids have kind of lost that. Maybe we've lost that a little bit, but that's why I tried to do it was treat the kids like I wanted to treat my own kids or how I wanted to be treated. And to me, you can't go wrong on that. You just can't. No. And it was awesome. Um, coach, let's, you know, I think everybody sees, you know, college football, and, you know, they see the Saturdays, you know, and, and people ask me too, they're like, do you miss it? I said, I miss Saturdays, but I don't yes. miss all the other things that come with it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So maybe, you know, I think people have different perceptions of what goes on, you know, in the college football program, just college in general, maybe talk about some of the different hats you had to wear at Ripon, you know, not just being the head coach, because I mean, right. there's a, you know, because you and I have spent time together in different 
you know, things on working on different things. And, and I, there's a lot that goes into what you do outside of just being on the football field every day. Well, there really is, uh, from the hats that I wore at RIP in college anyway, uh, it, it, it was, it was varied. I mean, from the moment you wake up on a Saturday, you're thinking about the game plan. You're thinking about, you know, getting everybody in the right spots with where they need to be. You got recruits coming in. Uh, and, and, and me personally, my mind was X and O, X and O, X and O. How am I going to adjust to this? How am I going to do that? But then you got to just step away and say, no, we got recruits here. We got it. We got to deal with these young people and we got, we got to make sure that they want to come here. And so we try to provide, you know, uh, in the recruiting process, the, the best experience uh, we possibly could. Uh, now, when you asked about the different hats that I wore, uh, other than just being the head coach, I, I was able to do a lot of, ever, a lot of different things here at Ripon. Uh, I was also the head golf coach for like 20 years. Um, when there were some budget cuts back in the late nineties, early two thousands, I served as the SID for like four or five years. Uh, I was a full professor. I taught a full load. Uh, I was an academic advisor. I was assistant athletic director, game management. Uh, I mean, all kinds of different things that you have to do, uh, Strength to coach. Make things work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Other than just coach. Yeah. Uh, and so but the thing I enjoyed the most, you know, whether it was the assistant AD, advisor, teaching, whatever, the thing I enjoyed and just loved the most was getting to know the kids and just being there for the kids. I think one of the things that I tried to do is whenever a kid walked by my office, a football kid, uh, and even basketball or, or, or any, you know, any kids that I kind of directly knew that might have been in my class. Hey, how you doing? Get your fanny in here and sit down. Let's just talk. You know, so we would just talk about not just football, but we talk about life. Uh, I got to find out, you know, we had some players that were having some family issues back home. Uh, one kid, his dad just suffered a heart attack, you know, uh, six months before. Okay, how can I be there to help you? What, what do you need? What can we? So it was about that was the part that I probably enjoyed the most was in terms of the hat that I wore was really getting to know the kids and trying to put myself in a position where I could help them in any way that they needed because these kids are away from home. Oh, so let's talk more about that, you know, balancing that. You talked how important it was to be a good father and, and good husband and, you know, there for your family. So when you're juggling all this, you know, what is it like? And, you know, what do you do? Because there's so many, only so many hours in the day. How do yeah. you balance it? And then when you go home from practice, how do you not take stuff that happened at practice or, or at the game and not be able to take that home at night and the vent with the wife or the kids or whatever? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, first and foremost, rule number one, for any young coach coming up, you better marry the right girl. You, you, you yes. better marry the right. And I mean that seriously. And, 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 and you better marry someone who's going to kind of understand what you're going to go through. Now, I was very fortunate to, to marry my wife. Uh, we've been married now 44 years. And uh, 
she didn't know much about athletics. I mean, she has trouble walking and breathing at the same time. That's how uncoordinated she is sometimes. But, uh, and I joke about that, obviously. But <laughs> she, she, the only reason why she went to a football game was because I was playing. Uh, and I, I still don't think today she knows what a first down is. But she was understanding of my job and what I wanted to do. We talked extensively about my career and, and her career also. We, talk, we, we melded that in there also, what we both wanted to do, what our future goals were. Uh, this is the, you know, when I graduated from college, I, I basically wanted to be a division one head coach. I really did. That was my goal. And she said, well, how do we get there? And I said, well, there's a couple ways we can try to do the GA route where I could jump into, I was, we were there in Lincoln. So I thought maybe I could get on at the university of Nebraska, uh, or we can try to get there by moving up the high school ranks. And we talked and we communicated very well and we wanted to start a family and we needed insurance, obviously. So we decided the high school route was the way to go. And so uh, she was very, very supportive of everything that I needed to do and uh, or wanted to do. And so that was the first thing is marry someone who uh, is going to be very supportive. Now, in terms of just, you know, the day-to-day -day things, I probably didn't do as good a job as I could have in terms of leaving work at work and not bringing it home a little bit. That's really, really hard. I, I've read about some coaches that when they pull in the driveway, the switch gets turned off and work is left there. I'm sorry, I couldn't do that. Now, what I try to do as a father is I try to be as much involved with my kids' lives as possible. During the off season, I would coach the the basketball teams. I would coach the baseball teams. Uh, we never missed a, a game as much as we could, the track meets, whatever. So you try to be as involved as much as possible. And then one of the other things too was I never went to the office to recruit at nights. I always stayed at home and made all my recruiting calls from home. That way, if I needed to step away for 10, 15, 20 minutes to read a bedtime story or to help with a math problem, I was there. And so, uh, yeah, there were times where it was kind of a joke in our family that when dad came home, we knew what kind of night it was going to be by how, about how hard uh, he slammed the back door, you know. <laughs> and so uh, hopefully there, there weren't many of those nights, but they thought, oh, no, here it comes. Dad had a bad day or we had a bad practice. But I think the big thing is to try and uh, be involved with the kids' lives as much as possible. When it, We always took summer vacations as a family, always did that. We also uh, had a family rule that we would at least four nights a week uh, have um, our, our dinner together as a family. That was really important. And that was kind of something my wife set up. And, and uh, that was so good. I mean, we talked about everything and anything, you know, about the day and whatever. So I hope I answered your question there in terms of uh, uh, the coaching and, and, and balancing act and, and, and stuff like that. Oh, it's one other thing just to, yeah. to lead up on that or, or follow up on that, I should say, is your last challenge, you were coaching overseas. So, yes. you know, let, talk, talk a little bit about that experience, what that was like, because obviously you're far away from family yes. and, uh, and what that kind of experience was like for you. It was a great experience. Uh, it really was. Uh, I loved doing it. 
uh, I'm a big history uh, buff. When I was coaching and teaching in high school, I was a history teacher. And so I loved history, uh, especially World War II era history. And so uh, I loved being able to go over to Europe. Uh, I was there seven months. I was able to travel. I saw all kinds of things, uh, World War II sites, uh, uh, even uh, Roman ruins. My wife and I traveled to Austria, Italy. Uh, we traveled all through Italy, uh, all through Germany. And we still just scratched the surface. But it was a great experience to be able to do that. Uh, the people over in Germany were just really, really super nice. They were, they really were. Um, it's different though. Uh, it's different. Uh, they, they, they look at football a little differently than us. Uh, it's probably more of a club style thing. Uh, we only practiced twice a week. Uh, we had four buys in the middle of the season. Uh, when we had a buy, everybody just scattered. And so we didn't practice at all that week. Which, which, which was really foreign to me because I thought this was a chance for us to get better and yeah. work on some things, but no, they're all gone. They're, they're, they're gone. Uh, and uh, Germany has a lot of, you know, holidays. And so there were a lot of downtime in, in that regard. Uh, so, and, and, and to be fair to the football IQ of the German player is not what it's like here in America. Of course, they don't start, they don't start playing football until maybe, 14, 15 years old, where over here, we've got kids starting at a young age. Uh, I remember trying to explain uh, cover three, deep middle third to, a, to my free safety. And he looked at me like he had no clue what I was talking about. And I'm thinking, wow, I mean, know what that is over here in America. I mean, they were great kids. Boy, they worked hard. Uh, they really were. And we, and we got better. It was, it was a good experience. Uh, I'm not going to. Uh, I just really, really, really missed my family. That being. Off and maybe see where we're at from there. I had something going on with my internet here. So it's just cutting up some of the move here. So sorry. Coach, so let's talk recruiting. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, you know, recruiting at the D3 level is obviously different. And, you know, you have some challenges and things that you have to obviously, you know, face with that and, and, and talking to kids. So what are some things to let people know what it's like, you know, recruiting at the D level and also talk a little bit about why, it, you know, division three sports is so, so cool. And so, so good for kids. Well, I think D three, number one is great for kids because there is no scholarships for D three. Now scholarships are great. I, I don't begrudge schools for having scholarships, but at our level, when you get a kid to our level, they truly, truly want to play. They love to play. Uh, and, and, and so that's kind of cool to be able to do that. Uh, the changes that have been, you know, that have taken place over the last 30 some plus years have been quite significant. And uh, some have been good. Some have not been so good. I, I don't think uh, the, the, the calendars have certainly certainly changed uh we've basically gone from a time when i first got to ripon i literally would not have to start recruiting until january our season would end and we'd have november and december off and then we'd have to start we'd start recruiting in january and still get our full class by the end of by the end of may because of the recruiting calendars well 
that has obviously changed. Uh, recruiting now has been or has become pretty much a 24 seven thing. Uh, if you're not recruiting 24 seven, 12 months a year, you're going to get left in the dust. Uh, if you're not going to camps, if you're not going to clinics, uh, things like that. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you guys were aware, but in the Midwest conference where I was at or where Rippin is, we did not change our recruiting rules and don't hold me to this, but I want to say 2010, 2000, about 2010, up until that point, we couldn't leave campus. I mean, we could not go into a high school to talk to a kid. All contact had to be done on the phone. That's it. Wow. And we could invite them to campus and then we could meet them. And that was it. I mean, we could not leave campus. Uh, one of my jobs too was uh, I supervised our student teachers in our uh, exercise science department. So when I would go to a school, I had to really, really make sure I did not talk to a football recruit while I was in that school. He could be in that class that I was supervising and I couldn't talk to him. Holy I smokes. mean, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. And then that obviously changed uh, maybe about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, so that's how it's changed in the Midwest Conference. But I'll tell you what, my phone bill was was pretty nuts, you know, those first, you know, few years. But uh, and I think the other thing that we're seeing is that uh, at the Division three level, we have to send out offer letters. We have to do where where, quite frankly, it's a, it's a it's something that the Division ones do offering a kid the offer letter is yeah saying yeah we want you to come but it's not binding it's nothing like that it's just saying hey we want you to come uh the nils the <laughs> transfer portal i mean goodness gracious uh i don't want to sound like debbie downer here but i i don't like the way college football is going right now i mean all you had to do is take a look at the florida state situation the bowl games uh, I, I'm concerned with what college football is going to look like in three to five years. I, I really am uh, because of all the changes. And I think some of those can be good. Some of them not, but uh, you know, even at Ripon, we had to face kids in the transfer portal, uh, things like that. And uh, um, you know, we would get, we would get kids that would, we would send them a letter and then we would get an, e I would get an email from them. Well, am I being offered? Well, I just sent you an introductory letter. We just want, we just want to talk to you. We want to see if, if you're yeah. interested. Well, the first question they had was, am I getting an offer? I mean, without even talking to us, without visiting campus, without anything. So we as a staff had to go through and decide, okay, these were going to be the parameters that we had to go through or a kid had to go through before we offered them a place on our roster, an offer letter. And so that certainly didn't take place in 1991 when I came to Ripon. So it's it certainly has changed quite a bit. It really, really has. I mean, the scary thing too, coach, is that like where where does it end with with players and and people opting out? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, at some point, what when are players just going to say, you know what, I'm not going to play in these non-conference games because they really don't mean anything. I'm just going to play in the conference games, or when you know what I mean? It's just or you know we're you know, we're three and three in the conference. We're not going to win it. I'm done. You know what yeah. I mean? And it, it, I, well, you know, I, you know, I like we're Kirby all... smart. I, you know, I like what Kirby smart said. He's right. We got to fix it. And I don't think he yeah. was, 
don't think he was judging Florida State. I think he understood they were put in a bad situation. But he, you know, I think guys like him and, and Saban who have, you know, garnered respect and success can have the ability to step out in front of this and be like, we have to make some changes here or in three to five years, it's, it's, I mean, it already is the wild west, but it's going to get worse and it's going to keep trickling down. Yes. And that's, that's the thing I was going to say, because a lot of the things that we at division three level dealt with started at the division one level, and then it came down just narrowing of the goalpost, you know, when they did that several years ago or narrowing the hashes, it started at the division one level, then it came down to us. And so it's, it's going to get worse. I, I hope it doesn't. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but uh, I am concerned that college football is not going to be the same college football that we grew up with or saw or experienced not all that long ago. And uh, I, I hope they can get it fixed. I really do. I hope they can get it well, fixed. And the scary thing, Dean, is that in like three to five years, you may be having some makers uh, sign an NIL. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening in other, in other states. So go ahead, Dino. Yeah. Well, I, I, when I was, I'm sorry. When I was recruiting, uh, we would have some recruits that would come in and ask what kind of NIL deals did does Rippin offer? And I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just, I know what it is, but I, we're not, we're not involved in that. I mean, I suppose if, 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 if uh, one of the local pizza places wants to put you on a pizza place wants to put you on a, on a, on a poster board and give you a hundred bucks, that's about the best you're going to do. But <laughs> yeah. we're getting those questions even at the division three level. And that's, that's scary. It is scary a little bit. Coach, you've been coaching obviously for so long, and you've had so many assistant coaches, young coaches, you know, over your career. What advice would you give? Because we got a lot of listeners out there that are young coaches, and they're kind of in a situation. You talked about, you know, your goal is to be a Division One coach, and you know, it's a lot. A lot of people have to go the GA route to do that. Um, some people are, you know, going right to that high school, and, right. and they want to get, you know, be able to. A lot of great college coaches started out at the high school, as we know. Yeah. Absolutely. So you obviously have stayed in a place and, you know, you're the face of ripping football. I mean, you're an icon in the state of Wisconsin. What advice would you give a young kid today about what avenue they pursue? You talked about your wife was one, and I'm sure that had a huge impact on it. But what are some other things that advice that you could give them? Don't be scared to stick your neck out. When I came out of college, when I came out of college, I knew I wanted to be a head coach. I didn't want to be an assistant. I knew I wanted to be a head coach. Every job I applied for was for a head job. And all my my teammates back in Nebraska at Wesleyan thought I was crazy. You know, all the guys that I went to school with thought I was crazy, crazy, crazy. How, how can you be 21 years old and be a head coach? I wasn't afraid. I, 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 wasn't, I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be hard, but doggone it, that's what I wanted to do. Don't be afraid to take a chance. I talked to some of my former players who graduated from Ripon, and I asked them what they want to do. Well, I, don't, I want to be into, I want to be going to coaching. Okay, do you want to be a head coach? You want to be a quarterback? I want to be a head coach. Well, then go apply for head coaching job. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, and just doggone it. Don't be afraid to stick your neck out. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid. You know, you know, 
I, I, I think maybe the reason why I got to where I'm at today is because I wasn't afraid to fail. Uh, and, uh, you know, and just a, a quick little story just to maybe illustrate that. Uh, it was at the second high school job I was at. I took over a program that had never had a winning season in the history of the school. In the history of the school, they had never had a winning program. And I took over a team with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Well, we got our fannies kicked the first year and our fannies kicked the second year. And the superintendent called me in and said, I, th I think you need to resign because we're not doing what I thought we would do. And I said, well, I think we're on the right path. We're going the right direction. We're going we're gonna to be just fine. And he says, no, I, I think you need to resign. And I said, I'm not going to resign. You're going to have to fire me. I told him, I says, if you want me gone, you're going to have to fire me because I will not quit. And so he never did. And then the next year we made that we won the conference championship and made the playoffs and, you know, whatever, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just like have faith in yourself. I think that's the big thing. Don't be afraid to go out there and stick your neck out and try. And if you fail and you get knocked down, get up. It's like we teach our kids. You get knocked down, get up, dust yourself off, go on to the next play. You get knocked down, get up, dust yourself off, and go to the next play. Sometimes we as coaches don't take our own advice from the advice that we're giving to kids. So in terms of young coaches, you know, uh, you know, don't be afraid to take a chance and, and go go after what you want. And you know, it, it's that's fun to me. That's. I've lived a very, very blessed life because I wasn't afraid to stick my neck out and uh, fail. And, and, and luckily, we, we've had some good coaches and good players over the years, and we've gotten to a good point now. So uh, I think with, with young coaches, just try to, you know, learn as much as you can. If you fail, get up and go do it again if you really believe in yourself and, and stuff like that. So, Coach, let's talk about your last season at Riffin. Um, very special, very special season. Um, you know, probably one of the, one of the better seasons that uh, the program's had, um, in yep. program history. And, you know, the, <laughs> the last game was a little anticlimactic, but still it was, it, it, you know what I mean? It, it ended with, yeah. a, you know, with, with authority and, and, and whatnot. What, what was that season like going for you, knowing you're going to retire, but also, you know, going through the process of like, you know, having a great season, you know, with those kids. Well, and coach, it was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish up. Brian. I said, and coaches, kids yeah, and coaches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was. I, I don't know if I can put it into words. It was so, you know, when I was writing some notes down on some of the questions you guys gave me, when it came to that question, all I put down was, "Wow." I mean, what 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 do you say? Uh, I I thought we could have a good team that year in 22. I really thought we could have a good team. We had good kids coming back. Excellent senior leadership, of which Cam was a big part of. Excellent leadership. And uh, I thought if we could get off to a good start with our first game, we could get on a roll. And we ended up beating St. Norbert uh, and, and uh, you know, ran off, I think, eight straight wins. Then after that, had some tough ones along there. The Illinois College game was very a tough resilient. One. Yeah. Really resilient. Chicago. Yeah, they, they, they refused to lose. Yep. They, they refused exactly. to lose. They found a way. Uh. Every Every single week they found Lake Forest, uh, oh, Chicago. Man, game. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And if they just refused to lose. Uh, and this was, that was a very, very special group. It was, 
you know, we've won some championships here, but that 22 team mentally was probably the strongest team I ever had. May not have been the most talented from a uh, an on-field talent. They were really good. There's no doubt about that. They had the talent to win, but they were probably the mentally the toughest group that I've ever had with all due respects to uh, Ethan Hoffman and uh, Josh Heisler. The, the, those guys <laughs> were pretty doggone tough too, but, but as a team uh, they were really, really good. And uh, uh, they, they, they kept each other's back too. I mean, I never, never heard, you know, if the offense would make a mistake, the defense pointing fingers or vice versa, or if the special teams, there was none of that. I mean, that that's an easy thing to do, but that was, that was great to see the camaraderie, the chemistry, uh, the kids got along well with the coaches, vice versa. Uh, I didn't have a single headache all year, you know, in terms of dealing with a discipline issue, or at least none that I knew of anyway. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it was, it was just a great group of kids and, it all started with our leadership too. Well, and, and you know that going, I'm sorry, Dina, but like they didn't walk in like that. No, not no. at all. And so that's just no. a huge credit to the program because I mean, they, you know, and that's, that's where programs like, you know, high school programs like Kimberly, you know, and, and some of our other really great programs in the state, that's why programs are successful. Kids, kids aren't going to walk in with the ultimate mental toughness. They're not going to walk in, with the high-end competitiveness that needs to be taught. And I think going back to our original topic of, of, you know, kids aren't changing. We have to continue to develop that. We, I think we forget as adults that we all learned how to be tough or physical or mentally strong or competitive. We didn't just fall out of mom's womb and be like, Oh, I'm ultra competitive. You know, that's right. a learned trait. Yeah, it really is. And I think that uh, uh, again, this, this discourages me sometimes when I, you know, observe society. And I, I see parents wanting to be their kids as friends. I'm not your friend as a parent. Now, this is the way I think. This is the way I think. I'm not your friend. I'm your father. I'm your parent. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And, and, and that is something that I tried to do all the time. And, uh, I have three sons. They're all very, very successful right now. I've got eight grandkids that are, are just unbelievably special. But I think it's because I tried to raise my sons with that same idea that I tried to coach with. Now, did they always like what I said, did, or no? But, you know, again, I'm not there to be your best friend. I'm there to teach you how to be an adult. And, uh, and that's why, Brian, when you said earlier what I said to parents, you know, if you have a problem with playing time, don't call me. And if you do, I'll take it out on your kid, you know, and that, that was kind of our thing, you know, Hey, if, if I get a call from a parent, you know, I will be respectful, but if you're going to complain about his playing time, I'm going to take it out on him because, because you know he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's not man enough to come and talk to me about it. And so if he, if he was man enough to come and talk to me, I'm going to deal with you man to man. That's just it. And so, uh, yeah. I know we get off tangent there a little bit. No, coach, that's awesome. That's get your edge advice right there. Just the last <laughs> yeah. couple of points that you just said. So, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep throwing it at you because you're getting a lot of knowledge bombs out there. So we yes, you know, get your edge advice to give, you know, that athlete, that coach, that competitive advantage. So it, 
it's your turn. What do you got? Well, I think the big thing that I would say to, you know, whether it be an athlete, whether it be a coach is never look back. I mean, because you can't do anything about what just happened. I mean, if we would lose a game, I'd get the team in a team meeting or whatnot. And I'd say, okay, Cam, I want you to change yesterday's results. And he'd look at me. And I said, no, I want you to change the results. And he'd look at me and I said, Cam, I want you to change what happened yesterday. He's not very smart, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 it, it, it was an impossible question. Right. <laughs> he said, well, I can't. And I said, ding, ding, ding. You can't change what has happened. Every event, every game, everything that happens in your life comes with a learning opportunity, you know? And so that was something that I tried to instill in our guys. And I would say to players, I would say to coaches is never look back, but look at every situation as an opportunity. Uh, and, and also to to players, I, I don't know of many coaches. I'm sure there are some out there that are coaching for themselves, but the vast majority of coaches that I know are trying to do the right things. And so as a player, don't take hard coaching personal. Yeah. Okay. Don't take it personal, man. I mean, I mean, I would oftentimes ask the kids uh, and I would even do this in recruiting sessions, you know, has mom or dad ever yelled at you? And they'd kind of look at me like, uh, well, yeah, they have. Says, do they love you any less? Well, no. Well, that's the same as coaching. I'm going to yell at you. If you do something wrong, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to correct you. It doesn't mean I love you any less. It doesn't mean I care for you any less. It means I want you to get better. And so you need to look at it that way. Now, maybe some of these kids have never had their parents yell at them. Um, that's a possibility too, I guess. But uh, that's, that's just the way I operated. And I'm sure we probably lost some kids along the way that didn't buy into that philosophy. And that's okay. That's okay. That's part of the recruiting process. But as a player, take hard coaching for what it's meant for. It's meant to try to get you better. Uh, you know, and I always told our kids, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And if you don't like that, you don't have to stay, you know, you can leave. And so, uh, and another saying that I always tried to throw out uh, teams, especially if we were going through a really hard time was, and this was something I picked up from Norman Vincent Peel, you know, tough times never last, but tough people do. And I tried to apply that to my life and, and, and uh, uh, you know, my kids, my players, my teams, tough times never last, but tough people do. I mean, there were years where we weren't real good and, and we didn't have very much success but i would like to think that the guys that stuck and the guys that stayed with it were tough guys and we got it turned around i mean we got it turned around and so i i think as a player you know i'm not i'm not i'm here to make you better you know i'm not here to be your best friend and i think that's uh something important coach Ertz, i got a just got a text of, about a half hour prior of josh or one of your <laughs> Past athletes that just, uh, again, he just, he thinks the world of you. And I asked him, because we we're going to record you, obviously, today. And he said, hey, ask a question. I said, what would be a great question for Coach? And he said, knowing Coach, he said he changed a lot over the years. He said, if you have time, I would ask him how he has 
had to adjust his coaching style over the years and what led to that change? That that's a great question, Josh. Doggone it, you smarty pants, you. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is a great question. Uh, I think what I've changed probably is again. My high school football coach was a very, very fiery coach. And I have the utmost respect for him. And to this very day, he's my best friend. Um, he was at my last game last year when we played, or two years ago when we played Lawrence. He came all the way from Nebraska. He and I talk at least two or three times a month. And this was back in 1976 that he and I have stayed in touch. And, and, and I'm leading up to something. He was very fiery. Man, he was fiery. So I thought to myself, that's what I want to be. I want to be that fiery head coach. And so probably through my high school career and early coaching career in college, I was, man, I was a wild man. I really was. And it just, I don't think, it, it, I guess over a little bit of time, you know, I, I didn't like it so much. So I started to mellow a little bit. I tried to stay off the officials a little bit more. I tried, you know, not to come down quite so hard on kids. Uh, I know if you, I know if an official were on this thing right now, he'd say, you never mellowed towards us. <laughs> uh, I actually did over the years. I actually did. Uh, but I probably mellowed a little bit, probably because I just felt that over time, there was a better way rather than getting in some official's face or getting in some kid's face, because maybe I was doing it for the, as a gut guttural action reaction from myself. And so I needed to step back and say, okay, what's that kid going through? Why did he do that? Why is this happening? So I probably tried to take a little bit more of a cerebral approach. <laughs> things a little bit i mean i still think i had a little bit of fire still left in me oh yeah uh, <laughs> oh yeah Brian, you should have seen me about 20 25 years <laughs> it was it was not good i, I oh, mean no. I, I would get home and my wife would she'd be waiting for me <laughs> sit you down and be like okay we gotta talk <laughs> yeah exactly. Coach, I, exactly coach so you know obviously cam you know had a great experience there give me Real quick, give me a quick story that I might not know. That, that well, Cam. I, I, outside of is, outside of the fact that he came to your office every week to talk about Nebraska Wisconsin football, that's <laughs> what I have down on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was he was so so respectful. Oh yeah. my goodness! I mean, he knew how much of a lover of Nebraska football I was, and I knew how much of a lover of Wisconsin football he is. But we would just sit and talk. And he was so intelligent and so, you know, well, this, 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 and this, and this, 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 and this. And he was so aware uh, of things that just really impressed the heck out of me. Uh, I didn't work with him a lot during practice because obviously the offense, he was an offensive lineman. I was coordinating the defense. Uh, all I know is at times when we would scrimmage together, he really ticked me off because he kept kicking the crap out of the defensive line sometimes which really bothered me I was more mad at them and not him but uh I've been a coach for about 43 44 years and I look back at players I really do I look back at players and and, and we all have really really good players kids that we love to death and 
some kids that challenged us a little bit. And I almost put it on a grading scale, A, B, C, D, F. Uh, I've had a lot, just a lot of really, really good offensive linemen. A type kids is what I would call it. And Cam would certainly be in that group of, of the A group. Uh, he really was. He was competitive. He was tough. Great team player. Uh, I, 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 I would, I, I would love, I would love when the offense was moving and, and he would look to the sideline and he'd tell Marshall, you know, run the ball, run the ball, just <laughs> run, the ball, run the ball, you know, which every offensive lineman wants to yeah. do, but uh, he, he would try to just get him going there. And I loved it. I loved it, you know? And uh, so it, it is, yeah. I, 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 I don't have anything crazy to tell yeah. you. If I did, I would keep that to myself. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah Coach. I mean, I, even after the, the last game, you know, him and Coach Marshall had kind of an interesting relationship, but we were out at the pizza place. He goes, I can't believe you took us out. He goes, you got to be kidding me. It was 63 to nothing. He goes, you're lucky we put you in the second quarter. I know. I know. That, yeah. was, that, was, that, that was quite the day. That yeah, really was. It was. That, that was quite the day. I, uh, I, I. I, I can't say it. I can't say I felt sorry for him because it's Lawrence, no. and you can't feel sorry for Lawrence. You just no, it's a rivalry game. That's what it is. No, it is. It is. Yeah, uh, by the way, we've won that like twenty three years in a row. Not that right. I'm, you know, trying to <sighs> make point of it, but uh, yeah, it was a great game. It you really know, Coach. Was. I, I, you know, I've the the amount of gratitude I have for you and your staff and the and and your your wives because I mean that that's such an integral part of you know, the Rip and football family and just the parents. And, um, you know, it, it changed my son's life and, you know, he, he learned how to be who he was, how, who he is. You know what I mean? He learned that he was, it was okay to be himself yeah. and, and that was okay. You know what I mean? And, um, I would agree with you with being fiery. You know, he was, he's a, He's a skill at, you know, he's a skill athlete in a lineman's body. Yeah. He liked to talk. Yeah. He liked oh, yeah. to, but he, he didn't care. He loved the game of football and that love came out, you know, his, that for sure the last couple of years. And I, I just, I can't thank you enough. I, I can't. And for anybody that is looking, you know, if you're an athlete, no matter what your sport is and you, you don't look at a school like Ripon or some of the other schools in our state, um, you're missing the boat on really what athletics is all about. Um, very few of you are going to go pro and the experience and the education that you get is what's really worth it. And so many of those kids, I mean, they're just amazing young men, yeah. you know, amazing young men. And that, that, and they, you know, they're, you know, when they were 18, they were a lot different than when they were 22, you know, and, and Parker, who's coming back for like year seven or whatever. And he's like, you know, but um <laughs> So coach, I just, you know, personally, I just want to thank you so much. Um, you know, so it's, it's just, it was, it was an incredible experience and one change it for the world. Dean, you got anything else for, for coach? No, the only other thing I'll add, and you know, this is something that, you know, probably you help so many, you know, athletes leave and then obviously get into the coaching field, but, uh, you know, just being a father and everything else, but you know, the conversations I've had with Josh and he's had numerous times where you've sat down with him and your X's and O and, and all of that. And that time again, that you take to help your past athletes is, is made a tremendous impact on our Kimberly football program. Absolutely. For sure. So, um, you know, I thank you for that. I think 
you for everything you've done for this great sport of football in this great state of Wisconsin and uh, continue doing what you enjoy doing coach. And we're glad we got you on finally on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I really do. And, and Brian, I just want to say one other thing. Uh, I certainly love all of our athletes and I loved our kids, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to be really honest with you. Sometimes the people that I miss the most are the parents. I, they really are. They, I mean, we had such un believable parents they 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 really were and uh i miss them as much as sometimes i miss the kids i really do and uh i just think we had a really good thing there uh i think we did it the right way and uh opportunities like this to come on your your podcast is just humbling to me and it was such a great honor to to be part of this and uh uh i'm gonna have a chat with that mr heisler about about that question <laughs> well that's, I, that's awesome. he's one of my favorites one of my all-time favorite what a great young man young man yes. is this but uh kimberly's got a great thing going there they got some great coaches and great staff and and everything and uh uh i wish you guys continued success also no question thank you no question. Yep. Well, that's going to end this episode of the get your edge podcast we'll see you next time chop it